Our scripture for today comes from Luke chapter 11, verses 37 through 54. It can be found on page 1,615 in our Pew Bibles. Six woes. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee, noticing that Jesus did not first wash before the meal, was surprised. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But give what is inside the dish to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which men walk over without knowing it. One of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. Jesus replied, And you experts in the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Woe to you, because you build tombs for the prophets, and it was your forefathers who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your forefathers did. They killed the prophets, and you build their tombs. Because of this, God in his wisdom said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and others they will persecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that has been shed since the beginning of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. Woe to you, experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered and you have hindered those who were entering. When Jesus left there, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. Thank you, Jill. And I encourage you to keep your Bibles open to the passage as we uh, walk through it, through it, unpack it, And there's also an outline of the sermon in your bulletin, if you care to use that, if that's helpful for you. We have been going through uh, Luke 10 and 11 through the summer, and this is the conclusion of that brief series, Um, and we'll be moving to something else in the fall. Well, it's about 10 years ago that I attended a conference in Orlando, Florida on church growth that was sponsored by the Christian Reformed Church and the Reformed Church in America together. The conference was very thought-provoking, very stimulating. There were in the plenary sessions and the lectures and discussions and workshops just very creative um, 
presentations given on how we can bring the message of Jesus to the unchurched. And when the conference was over, I boarded a plane to head home. And as I made my way to the seat, towards the back, as you always do when you fly in a plane, who am I going to be sitting by? And I found I was sandwiched between two gentlemen. One was clean cut, wearing a suit, and had his laptop, and was working. And the other guy um, had jeans, a flannel shirt, long hair, tied in a ponytail, a beard, a bandana, and tattoos. That's quite a contrast. So we're flying, we get up in the air, and I'm uh, uh, pulling out my materials from the conference. I thought I would review them. And suddenly, the long-haired tattoo guy surprised me. And he said, you went to the conference too. <laughs> okay, I, this led to a discussion. <laughs> And, and he told me about how six couples and individuals from his church quit their jobs, sold their homes, moved to an area of St. Louis, Missouri that was all immigrants, and by faith they moved there, and they, they looked for jobs, and they got involved in the community, they started networking with people, and their goal was to start a church. And he, he said, I'm, I'm on the school board. I was elected on the school board. And I was very impressed with this man. And what these guys, I shouldn't say guys, these men and women did with their faith and their vision. And I was confronted with my own stereotyping of people and judging people by externals. Very subtly. I had this expectation of what a Christian would look like on the outside. Now, I still have a struggle with the tattoo thing, but once I saw the inside of this guy, his faith, his passion, his commitment to Christ, I saw him totally differently. And I suspect that all of us do this. We judge people by some standards, some expectations that we have by, by the externals by their public image of people. Now, I share this story as a lead-in to our topic from this passage. Jesus is invited to the home of a Pharisee for a meal. And the invitation is probably a setup to try to find something to accuse him of and, and get on his case. And so Jesus, he, he obliges, but then he... He right away, he doesn't do something he's supposed to. He didn't perform the ritualistic hand washing before he reclined at the table. This wasn't a sanitation thing. This was a ritual thing. And the Pharisee who invited Jesus, he's surprised. He expects Jesus to perform this external ritual. This is what religious people do. And this becomes an opening for Jesus to challenge the Pharisees and the experts in the law. And what he challenges them about is their legalism. Legalistic religion tries to make us right with God and to overcome our sinful nature by following rules. The religious authorities set up all the rules and then if you keep them, you're good. You'll be right with God. 
If you keep all the rules and you look good on the outside, you're okay. And that's what legalistic religion does. It focuses on the externals, on the public image, how we look to others, to the neglect of what's going on inside us, the internal part of our person. This is what Jesus means in verse 39 when he says, Now then, you Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? And then he really goes after it. And he does that because Jesus knows that religious legalism is the greatest obstacle to come to know and connect and be loved by God. It's more of an obstacle than immorality or anything else. He attacks religion that only focuses on the outward and neglects purity on the inside. He presents this challenge to them with six woes in verses 42 through 52. A woe in this case is kind of a curse, a judgment. And the first woe is about tithing. Tithing is giving 10% of your income to the Lord. But the Pharisees, boy, they go all out. They even give 10% of what they grow in their gardens with their herbs and their spices because it really looks good to do that. But Jesus challenges their superficiality and their neglect of God and, and the love of neighbor as yourself. Now notice here, Jesus still expects obedience to our Father God, to love Him, to be devoted to Him, and to love our neighbor as ourselves, to do justice, and even to tithe. He says you should do both. But legalism focuses on the petty, on the superficial. Its priorities are messed up. Verse 43, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Legalism fosters pride, an attitude of superiority. Because they keep the rules, they think they should have the box seats at church because they're better than everybody else. Is that why nobody sits in the front here? <laughs> Actually, I want to say sitting in the front during worship is not saying you think you're superior to everybody else. People sit in the front because they want to hear and see better, or they think their kids behave better, or because they're late. <laughs> but legalists do it to look good. They put their reputation above their character. Reputation is what people think you are. Character is what God knows you are. Verse 44, Woe to you because you're like unmarked graves which men walk over without even knowing it. Legalism leads to spiritual death. Living by rules does not produce spiritual life but it leaves us dead and spiritually unresponsive to our Lord. Jesus called them unmarked graves, meaning they don't look like graves outwardly, but inwardly 
They're spiritually dead. Well, then one of the experts in the law, he accuses Jesus of hurting their feelings. You're offending us when you criticize the Pharisees. So Jesus <laughs> redirects himself and responds to them with vivid illustrations of burdens, tombs, and keys. He points out to these Bible experts, verse 46, that they add burdens to the people by adding more and more rules to what the Scriptures already teach, and then they have no heart to help people carry those burdens. You see, what a legalist does is they raise their personal preferences to the level of God's absolute law. And unfortunately, we can do the same thing in the church when we elevate our personal preferences to moral absolutes, like what political party should a Christian belong to, or whether to drink or dance or not, or go to public or private or homeschool. Legalism sets up unrealistic expectations that become burdens for people. Verses 47 through 51, Jesus accuses the scribes of uh, preserving the tradition of their forefathers who had silenced the prophets and even killed them. Now, Jesus is not holding the Pharisees and scribes personally responsible for the terrible things done to God's servants. Rather, he's affirming that they're just like their forefathers who killed the Old Testament prophets. And the proof of this is their rejection of him as the Savior, as the Messiah. Their ultimate crime will be the crucifixion of the Son of God. And finally, the scribes are guilty of robbing the common people of the key of truth, the key of God's word, by hindering them from this knowledge. Legalists claim they have the truth, and no one else can understand it except them. Jesus is the key to the scriptures. And if you take away that key, you can't understand the word of God. Religious legalism, whether it's of the conservative variety or the liberal variety, the rules are just different with conservative and liberals, but you can be either. But legalism is toxic. It's spiritual poison. It puts us in bondage. Legalism creates toxic shame instead of life-changing change. There is a place for shame. There are sins and evils for which we should feel shame. But legalism creates a toxic shame that burdens people with the feeling, I can never measure up. I can never be good enough. But the Christian faith is not about measuring up. It's not performance-based. It's grace-based. And it rests on what God has done for us in Christ. And because religious legalistic systems are unrealistic and unattainable, it creates hypocrisy. 
So if I'm going to buy into this legalistic system and I'm going to present this public image that looks good on the outside, but inwardly I'm not dealing with what I need to deal with, and privately I'm not consistent I can't live up to it, so I play this game and I put on this mask and I pretend to be something I'm not. That's hypocrisy. Jesus calls us to reality, humility and honesty about our condition and our need for the blood of Christ and the Holy Spirit for renewal. Jesus hits religious legalism hard because it leads people away from the Lord. And it puts people into bondage. Legalism fails. What God wants with us is not rule keepers, but a relationship. A relationship. What we call the gospel, the good news of salvation and grace in Jesus Christ, is the alternative to legalism. The missionary Paul wrote in Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For by grace you have been saved means that salvation and rightness with God is a gift. And we do not earn a gift, we do not merit a gift. The word grace means literally unearned favor. I don't earn a gift, I only receive a gift. And the way we receive this gift is, Paul says, through faith. We trust in Jesus. We trust in what he's done for us on the cross. We trust in his taking the judgment for our sin and guilt. This is the gift of God. You can't earn it with rule keeping you can't work for it you can't buy it you can't bargain it it's received by faith not by works and God then gets the glory Jesus Christ accomplishes our salvation in his crucifixion and resurrection that's the gospel and we receive that salvation by faith in him what Jesus does is credit his righteousness to those who trust him. He cleanses us by his blood and he covers us with his righteousness and he credits his perfect life to us. Isn't that amazing? Romans 4.25, Paul says, To the one who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. You see, our sin, our unbelief, our pride, our apathy, our selfishness, our rebellion, puts us in debt to the Creator. He made us, and we owe Him. And it's a debt that we can never pay back. Actually, every time... We, we add to that debt every time we slip and we sin. But Jesus has paid the debt. And then he credits it to our account. 
This is the heart of the Christian message. And it's also the opposite of legalism, of trying to earn your rightness with God by keeping rules. Now, does this mean we can just live any way we want? We can just randomly sin? God's going to forgive us. He'll excuse us. Does God care how we live? Well, of course he does. Not only, friends, here's part of the gospel that we don't always grasp. Jesus not only brings us forgiveness of sin, but he breaks the power of sin. He breaks the bondage of sin, and that's when things start going to work inside us. Not only does the cross of Jesus save us from guilt, but it crucifies the sinful nature within us. For those who have a genuine saving faith, God comes and dwells within you. The Holy Spirit is put into your life, and He will spiritually transform you. In your outline, I mentioned three ways this is stated in the New Testament. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul says, Therefore, and when he says therefore, he's referring to everything he's just said, which up to that time is all about God's grace and, and salvation by faith. He says, Therefore, in light of that salvation, I urge you, in view of this mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will. In view of God's grace, forgiveness and mercy, give yourself to Him and be renewed in how you think so then you'll know how to live God's will. Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, um, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. And then he says, against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Again, God puts his Spirit within us to produce the fruit of righteousness. That is an inside job. Fruit, these are fruits, these are not rules. They're character qualities. And fruit is something that has to grow, has to develop, it has to be nurtured and encouraged. And finally, John 15, 5, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a person remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So to be a Christian is to abide in Jesus by faith, to receive from him the power and sustenance to bear the fruit. The Ten Commandments, which we are to obey, were not given to us to save us, but to keep us in the gift of grace. 
These are spiritual disciplines that enable us to stay united with Christ and become more and more like Him in a lifelong journey. I think if we're honest, there's a legalistic Pharisee in every one of us. Legalism is an expression of our sinful nature, of our pride. Legalism very subtly says, if I'm going to be right with God, then I'm going to control it. I'm going to earn it. I'm going to make it happen. It's part of our sinful nature to resist and deny our profound spiritual need and corruption and our need for the cross and for the Holy Spirit. Jesus challenges us and invites us to live beyond performance-based religion, to rest in His grace by faith, and to grow into His likeness. His salvation is liberation, not bondage. His salvation is not legalistic, nor is it licensed to do whatever you want. It's about love. A loving relationship with the Creator sustained by the power of the Holy Spirit. This salvation is not based on appearances and externals, but it's an inside experience that brings life and love. Friends, guard your hearts from legalistic religion. Trust and rest in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and live and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we begin by just thanking you and praising you for doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. We thank you, Jesus, for bearing our condemnation on the cross and then crediting it to those who trust you and walk with you and follow you. We also recognize the corruption of our souls and spirits, and we ask that as we come to Christ, you would put your Holy Spirit within us, and he's already there. We pray that we would learn how to live in him and let him live through us and to practice those disciplines that catch that invisible power of the Spirit. So we depend upon you for all things, for our physical life, for our salvation, and for our spiritual life. And may you be given the glory, not only individually, but Lord, as a church, not just this church, but the body of Christ. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.